0: psalms 27 let's look at verse number one we're going to go through verse number uh, four um, as we have been doing a psalm of david the lord is my light and my salvation amen whom shall i fear the lord is the strength of my life of whom shall i be afraid amen when the wicked even mine enemies even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell Amen. In the house of the Lord, all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. Lord, have a blessing and, and, and just to, on those that hear and do his word. We thank the Lord. So we brothers and sisters have been uh, dealing with uh, this concept of uh, biblical beauty. We've been, We've been talking about this. It's been a great study. I know that I've been blessed uh, through it, hope you've been blessed. And um, we've had a number of things that we've that we've that we've discussed up until this point, we really dug into um, many of the um, um, the nuances and some of, and of beauty as it is described in the scripture. And I told you before, this is a big subject, you know, it seems very small. But as, as you've noticed, we're on the seventh lesson here. And there's and we've had all that kind And we honestly could go on and on and on. But uh, we won't. But 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 just with the amount of content that we have covered and things that we've gone over, you can see or should be able to see that um, beauty um, as it is described in the scripture. So as the Bible deals with the concept of beauty, it is worth understanding it as thoroughly as possible. Uh, from the perspective of God, there's a lot of there's a lot of of information and a lot of things to be said about beauty in and of its in and of itself. But many times, what's not represented is God's uh, perspective on it, and that's what we've been doing in this part. Now we started out talking about. Um, godly goals. And then we got past that. We got to the other side where we started dealing with our motives. And we said that our motive is important. Why? Because it is the it is the difference between whether or not God's going to be checked in what you're doing or checked out. And we, we also said that, hey, you know what? We can't afford to have God check out of what we're doing. Now, the B portion of Psalms 27 and 4, Says to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So when we get here, we really are getting into the motive that David has behind his request. Okay. What does God what does David want? Amen. We want to know what, what's going on. And when we read that scripture and we get into that scripture, well, we plainly see, we plainly see what David um wants. But it's when we get to that B portion of of 27 and 4 that's when we start to get into that motive so remember we started getting into the other side and that's what we're talking about of biblical of biblical beauty amen or the up you know um just kind of 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 biblical goals the other side of biblical goals and when we get into that other side we start to get into things like purpose like why are you doing this and that is important and we need to know that and we've discovered and discussed in previous lessons that that is important so we learned a, a few things we learned so far that david obviously was saying more than just i want to see god amen god was saying D- david was saying i want to study this i want to know you know when i'm when i say behold the beauty i'm going all in okay and so he's so and so we we know that there's a depth to that amen the we also know that the or learned that. The scriptures acknowledge a few of the different types of beauty, or a few different types of of beauty. We learned all of that. We learned the nature nature uh, nature's beauty or natural beauty. Okay, we talked about that human beauty. Okay, that man or that woman that has what we would consider beauty. That amen. God, God, God does that. And then we also learned about cosmetic beauty and th- and cosmetic beauty we learned is anything that would be used by humanity to beautify. So we learned about those three things. Why? Because the Bible covers that. Amen. The Bible covers that. And brothers and sisters, I want to um, take just a quick pause here to tell you this. Now we're talking about beauty, right? But it really doesn't matter what subject it is. The Bi- God has something to say about everything. Amen. And, 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 and we, Are sometimes unnecessarily walking around in circles in the dark, trying to not knowing what we're supposed to do. Why? Because it never dawns on us to consult God's word about what's going on. This world is easily paints a picture, a false picture at that of. All of your answers being somewhere in this world, and you just got to roll up your sleeves, lace up your boots, and you go out and dig in, and you go and get it. But brothers and sisters, God, God doesn't want you to have to work that hard, amen. You don't have to roll up your sleeves and lace up your boots and all that other kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that God literally shares with us, brothers and sisters, from the outset. So he gives it to us from the start. All we've got to do is go to that word, and then we will begin to see what God has to say. We also learn, as we continue on, that um, that the scriptures on many occasions, they warn us of the, the dangers, amen, of focusing on the external forms of beauty. And there's a reason why. Why? Because when we do that, that type of focus usually leads to pride and lust so as much as the bible talks about beauty for as much as it deals with beauty it also is very is not quiet on the subject of warning us regarding the subtle dangers of beauty and those are things that we talked about and again it's because whenever the focus is on the creation brothers and sisters more than the creator there is always going to be an inherent danger amen a danger of falling into pride and lust. I just d- please, please, ma'am, please, sir, don't make any don't don't deceive yourself. Don't 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 delude yourself. There is a danger. Okay. Don't don't go around thinking you're the one that's going to be able to sidestep all of that. That you can pay attention, uh, more attention than you need to, to all of those things, and you're going to be the one that's going to sidestep the pride and, and, and the lust. No, you're not. No, you're not. The Bible teaches us very plainly, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You want to sidestep sin? You want to get over that stuff? You got to walk in the spirit. Amen. We also talked about the origin of pride, okay? and that was really good because for that we got to use one of the Deuterocanonical books so that's the books that were written in between the old testament and the new testament in particular we looked at um the book of Sirach, or also known as the book of ecclesiastes or ecclesiasticus i should say um chapter uh 10 and verses 9 through 13 but when i gave you those verses the one we actually put on the screen and i'll put it up there again in just a moment we actually looked at verses 12 um, and 13 and, and and I'll put that up there and we also learned amen we also learned and we also um, saw the ultimate end result of, um, of pride and we saw that um, in Proverbs 16 and 18 okay now for your reference and your reminding The book of Sarah or Ecclesiasticus, amen, says the beginning of pride is when one departeth from God, and his heart is turned away from his maker. For pride is the beginning of sin, and he that hath it shall pour out abomination. And therefore, the Lord brought upon them strange calamities, amen, and overthrew them utterly strange simply means that the the, the, the things that they had no point of reference for things that they couldn't really identify things that didn't make sense in essence to them okay god did it in such a way and it just seemed like how in the world could all of this stuff be falling apart and things be going as bad as they are all of a sudden and in this uh and in the manner in which they're doing it just doesn't make sense that's what is referenced by strange that's what that means okay when we use the bible uses That word strange, usually, what that is talking about or what that refers to is that the thing doesn't make sense to us, it doesn't have we we don't have a point of reference for it. Okay, we don't have something necessarily we can compare it to, we can't line it up to with something else and say, Oh, this no, in other words, it just doesn't make sense, and that happens in our lives, brothers and sisters. There are times where. You're living and you're walking through this life and things happen and you are just, and it throws you for a loop, throws you for a curve. Well, that's what is meant that if you've ever felt that, if you've ever gone through an aspect of life's journey and then all of a sudden felt one day, where in the world am I? What is going on? What has happened or how did I get here? how did they get here? how did this happen? That type of feeling is what is referenced when the Bible usually uses that word "strange," for the most part, Amen, Amen. There are other there are other definitions for it, but that's kind of usually what uh, what it means, Amen. Now, again, the beginning of pride is when one departed from God. Look at that verse 12 again, and his heart is turned away from his Maker. First part of 13. For pride is the beginning of sin, Amen. You see that. Okay, so we looked at the origin of pride. We see where that comes from. And we see that you that 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 if 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 pride is your goal, if that is the goal of a person, the only thing they got to do or only thing a child of God has to do if they are just bent on walking in pride, pride, they just going to do it because they want to do it. All it takes is taking your eyes off of God. Because brothers and sisters, it's when we begin to deviate from the way of God, that's when pride starts to creep in. Remember last week, we talked about it and we said how pride comes in and lust, they come in through the back door. They don't come in just kicking the door in. They're not that overt and they're, they're not that in your face. They become that way, but they don't start out that way. It usually starts out very subtly. The pride and lust, like many other sins, they come through the back door. They come through the areas of your life that are not guarded. Amen. 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 We also seen the end result. That's Proverbs 16 and 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Haughty spirit. That's arrogant. Okay. That's also pride. that That's you, you, you being lifted up. So we saw all of that. We also saw we also learned with with uh with all of this, amen. We we also learned that about the origin of lust, and we saw that that it comes about as a result of being drawn away. Amen. We saw we and 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 I don't want you guys to forget that. Okay. Whatever you do, I don't want you guys um, you know, to 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 forget that, okay, because it comes about as a result of being drawn away and remember that drawn away that's also pride so when you think about it that lust is also can also be a derivative of pride okay and by that what i mean is 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 that pride can often be the gateway to lust okay now a person can now a person can be lustful Without being prideful, they don't. They are not mutually exclusive. Okay, so they're not. They're not tied to one another that closely to where one can't exist without the other. They absolutely can. One can exist without the other. You can have a person that is full of lust. Now, remember, when we said lust, we're not talking about just. The illicit lust, or or intimate, or in the sexual nature. That's what people' mind tend to gravitate toward. When the Bible talks about lust, the Bible's talking about that desire. Okay, that intense desire for anything. So a person can lust after anything and for anything, not just for a person. Okay, that's very important. Keep that in mind. Okay, so but lust. Okay, is not necessary. Not lust. It doesn't. It's not dependent mutually and solely on pride meaning that you it doesn't in in that you know that pride has to always be there first no 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 a person can can be in one camp or the other but pride and lust often work in tandem they do they often work in tandem it's a tag team kind of affair when it comes to pride and lust and so pride often is brothers and sisters a gateway amen when you look at James all right Chapter 1, start at verse 13, let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man, 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, amen, look at that phrase, when he is drawn away, and we just said, amen. We just said when we talked about uh when we brought in the scripture for Ecclesiastes, for we 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 literally got into that very same that very same thing and that very same concept, okay, of pride and lust. And in fact, I want to back up just a bit so that you can see that definition again. The beginning of pride is when one departed from God. Amen. Do you see that when one departs from god and his heart is turned away from his maker now look at james 1 and 13 um, uh, look at verses 14 actually but every man is tempted when he is what drawn away of his own lust and entice drawn away drawn away and in Ecclesiasticus, we saw the same. We saw that whole drawing away or the turning away. So when we start to turn away from God, that's when pride, that's when lust began to start to creep in. They start to 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 be present and accounted for, okay, in a way that we really don't want, okay. And so we also learned that 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 origin of lust, okay, that it comes about as a result of being drawn away which in and of itself is can be a derivative of pride okay so we got to watch those things remember they come in subtly we also learned with that because as bad as that is and as dangerous as that is brothers and sisters it's also absolutely wonderful that god has given us a way to sidestep that amen because i mean that's a whole lot of that, that man that, that that man that's a slippery slope getting into pride and getting into lust because they lead to more and more remember we learned in ecclesiasticus eventually it becomes elite it it, it it can lead you into acts that can be considered or will be considered a, an abomination before god and when we say abomination we also covered this last week we spoke about it briefly i believe and what we said was when you're talking about an abomination Abomination is sin, just like anything else. But when the Bible uses the word abomination to describe a sin, it's not just talking about God hates all sin, but when he uses the descriptive word of abomination, he is adding some extra to it. He is talking about not just a sin that God hates and he hates them all, but we are talking about, but this is next level. So, when a person begins to walk into sin, that's next level. Homosexuality is another one. Lying and all that other kind of stuff. These things are called, are considered abomination. Amen. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. A lot of people like, man, lying is considered abomination. I, I, I knew about homosexuality and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, all that is. God really does not like that. God really has a problem with all of these things. And if you dig into the word, you'll find these things. But when you get into that, when the Bible uses the word abomination, he's describing not not just a sin, but he's describing something that is so detestable that it is next level. I I mean, God is fuming over that thing and you don't wanna walk into that. Yet pride will walk you right into that. It'll lead you right into that, amen. But God, all thanks be to God that he's given us a way, brothers and sisters, to sidestep that, amen. So we learned that in order to sidestep that, that, those pitfalls, we got to guard our heart. That's what Proverbs, amen, 4 and 23 tells us. We also learned that we got to keep our minds, amen. God tells you what he wants you to think on. Many of us get all off track, why? Because our mind is all off track. Our minds on everything, thinking and processing all the stuff that God said not to do. But the Bible is very clear about what to think about. In fact, turn to Philippians 4, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 4, and look at verses 7 through 9. Look at what the Bible says. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Are you in need of peace? Look at that scripture. Verse 7 for you. Look at verse number eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Do you hear God telling you and telling me what to think about? Do you hear the Lord showing you in advance, showing me in advance what I need to focus my mind on? Verse number nine said, these things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Look at him giving you and I the secret to peace. You want peace? Change your mind. You want a little tranquility? Change your mind. You want things to stabilize? Change your mind. Do you need some things to settle down in your life? Change your mind. I won't, oh, I hope you hear it this morning. Oh, this is good this morning. See, we love to hear about how Jesus says, peace be still to the storm. We love that. And that's a good thing to love. Amen. Amen. But many times, brothers and sisters, we look at the peace or having the peace of God as something that we literally need God to come in in the situation and speak peace to every single thing. Brothers and sisters, do you not see that God has simplified this for you and I? That's only one way. You're in the middle of a tumultuous situation. One way for you to have peace is for God to come in and say, peace be still. And I'm glad when he does, because there are some times, there are some things where, 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 where I am so disconnected and I'm so out of sync and, and, all I got is a Lord have mercy. I need you to have mercy on me. God, I need you to speak Peace. And there are those times where that's all that I can do. And I'm glad that we serve a God who's able to say, peace be still, in the middle of a storm, that I can't do anything about. But brothers and sisters, does it surprise you to know that not every storm is one that you can't do something about, at least in the at least in the area of peace? The word of God, he's telling you right now in the book of Philippians chapter four, verses seven through nine. He's telling you, you got to change your mind. You can have peace. You don't have to wait. (laughs) You don't have to wait for God until God says peace. No, 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 no. No, he's giving you a way to actually invoke peace right now. How do you do it, brother Walker? Change your mind. That's how you do it. You got to change your mind. He's telling you the stuff that you got to think on. See, as long as your mind is on the wrong thing, many of us don't make the connection that you're going to continue. I'm going to continue to have the wrong thing. Where your mind is directed, that's where your body is going to follow. That is where your life, that is where your walk is going to go. Whatever direction your mind is pointed in, that's the way you're going to walk way i'm gonna walk and a lot of us deal with tumultuous situations and and unnecessary stress and strain and all of these things why because we won't change our mind at times it is sad we got so much pressure children of god find themselves having to turn to medication and all kinds of different things to settle their minds. All outside of using the remedy that God put in the scripture. We want a man-made remedy for stress. We want a man-made remedy for strain. where God's saying, you don't need no medicine for all that. You just got to change your mind. He'll keep that person in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. The problem is, is that we start that at times and then we abandon it. Walk in the spirit. That's Galatians 5, 16 through 21. So these are the things that God has given us. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I hope you heard that this morning. Some of us looking for peace, somebody who's going to hear this in the morning or in the evening or in the afternoon, no matter where you are and where and what time of day it is. You got a thousand and one things going on and God's trying to slow it down. But you are waiting for God to slow it down. But he gave you the power to slow it down. You got to change your mind. You got to change your focus. It's time to stop putting all that time and all that effort in contemplating the things that are of no value. How long you gonna keep trying to work out what's beyond your control? Before you settle and realize that God got this thing, God has had me from the beginning, he's got me right now, and guess what? He's gonna have me at the end. I wanna remind somebody. Before you start stressing and going ballistic over tomorrow, all the while you're here today, put that aside brothers and sisters, because you ain't at tomorrow, you're at today, but God almighty, he ain't governed by time. He's already there for your tomorrow. So no matter what comes up, I guarantee you one thing, God will meet you there. So you focus on today, you focus on right now. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these other things, everything else you need, that'll be added to you. Amen. The catch to that is it's not gonna be added according to your specification or my specification, it's gonna be added according to God's. So it's gonna be according to his will, amen. So learn to make peace. While you're looking at the right thing, we gotta learn to make peace with God's way. Why? Because it's going to always overrule your way and my way. That's just what's going to happen. Amen. Amen. And so we learn all these things. Now, but is there an aspect of human beauty that God is concerned with? Amen. Amen. And it's good to know that the answer to that is yes. Amen. Amen. There is aspects of beauty. Now, the Bible does a lot to warn us about beauty uh, and misplaced focus on beauty, I should say, and all those different things. The Bible doesn't shy away from beauty. The Bible deals with all of these different things and so on and so forth. And we've done a lot. We talked about some of the more negative aspects of it, but now we deep dive into some of the positive aspects of it. Amen. So is there this an aspect of, of human beauty? Because we know that can be dangerous, that God is concerned with, and yes. The answer is yes. God, there are some aspects of it that God is concerned with, okay? Amen. God doesn't villainize it. No, he doesn't do that. God doesn't tell you and I to villainize it. No, he doesn't do that. What God does is he puts in bumper rails to help us navigate the landscape of beauty safely and in line with his word. And being in line with his word simply is a metaphor for doing it spiritually. So God has put in some place, some things to help us walk in regards to beauty in a manner that pleases him. So there are a few things, brothers and sisters, that God wants you and I to know. Amen. Number one. Amen. I want you to look at first Samuel 16 and seven the first thing that you need to understand when it comes to beauty so before you get hung up because remember we are called to be like god we are called he god we are called to pattern our lives after god almighty jesus christ was and is our example and let me just throw this in here because i, I feel like i need to I, I need to i need to to say this Brothers and sisters, stop trying to be like everybody else in the Bible other than Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Stop trying to be like everybody else in the Bible other than Jesus. I don't know what it is, but we as Christians have that that we want to be we want we want to be like Samuel. We want to be like David. We want to be like Elijah. We want to be like all we want the mantle of everybody we want all this kind of stuff get that out of here there ain't nowhere in scripture where god tell you to chase nobody's mantle uh-uh there's nowhere in scripture where god tells you to just go around and make it your focus and make it your life pursuit to be like somebody else other than him listen brothers and sisters I'm, 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 let me let me try to make it plain The righteousness of mankind is as filthy rags. On your best day, unaided by the Holy Ghost, you're not good. I'm not good. I can get as close as possible, but without that Holy Ghost, I'm not making it. You're not making it either. We spend too much time trying to be, I want to be strong like, like Elijah. And e- Elijah, I want to be a man after God's own heart like David. Newsflash. Do you know David got it wrong? Elijah and all the them, they, do you know they got it wrong too? In other words, they made mistakes, but you know who didn't make no mistake? Jesus. So, so don't listen. Don't waste time going to everybody else. Go to the source, brothers and sisters. Pattern your life. After God Almighty, that is what you and I are called to be. Put down the ridiculous pursuit of of a mantle. You don't need somebody to pray over you to give you a mantle. You don't need that. You don't need nobody to do that. And you don't see in the scripture where God calls you and tells you to go around doing that. You don't see that. But you do see him calling you to be like him. You do see him calling you to walk like him. You do see him calling you to be pleasing to him. Brothers and sisters, when are we going to understand? What Moses had wasn't good enough, God had to breathe on that. What David had wasn't good enough, God had to breathe on that. What Elijah had wasn't good enough. God had to breathe on that. What Paul and and Silas and Peter and what they had was not good enough. God had to breathe on that. You and I need God. You're not making it to heaven without God. They didn't make it without God. So brothers and sisters, we got to get our focus right. When it comes to beauty, we got to understand some things. And the first and number one thing to understand about beauty is is that in, in respect to God, God is concerned about the intrinsic beauty. Or in other words, he's concerned about the heart. Look at 1 Samuel 16 and 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his continents. Now let me give you some context in this point. Amen. Amen. At this at this point they you know they're choosing a king. Amen. Amen. They're choosing they're choosing a king, all right? Now they've already have they already have Saul. And the Bible is very is very clear that 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 Saul what was you know was a was 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 a good-looking young man. Amen. He had something he had an element of physical beauty or some stature that 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 was noticeable okay there was something about him that 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 seemed kingly amen amen there was aspects of him but now we start to get into the selection of the next king who is david and when we are in samuel here this is prior to to david coming on the scene but it has to deal with the selection process okay and whereas the outward show or outside uh, aspect of saul was a very noticeable thing when he was selected samuel is commanded of god is being commanded not to look at the same thing so when you go because samuel's job was to anoint He's a prophet, but his job was to anoint the king. Just as he did with Saul, he was gonna do the same thing with David. But the difference here is God had a different criteria for the selection of David. So he says in verse seven, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his continents or on the height of his stature. These are all things that were noticeable about Saul. Amen. Because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Brothers and sisters, is there an aspect, the aspect of beauty, human beauty, that uh, that God is concerned with? Absolutely, the first thing that we need to understand is is that God looks at the heart. So when it comes to human beauty, okay? If you want God to to feel or to view you as beauty, then you got to work on the things (laughs) that are attractive to him, the things that he sees as beautiful, amen. And the thing that God sees as beautiful, number one, first and foremost, brothers and sisters, it is your heart. Because as a man thinketh, we read that scripture, so is he. As that man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's who he is. That's what he is. That's who she is. That's what she is. God is concerned with the outside. Brothers and sisters, what does that mean? It means that we need to make sure that when we beautify, when we're beautifying ourselves, we when we're sprucing ourselves, that we're making, or making sure that we look the part. Remember whose opinion really matters. And the only one that really matters is God. And if God's opinion matters to you, then brothers and sisters, we gotta do the things that he likes. And one thing that God is looking at, He's looking at that heart. So make sure that you and I are spending more time focusing on the matters of the heart. And when we say matters of the heart, that does not mean that we're that we're talking about going around being all uh, lovey-dovey and just being all you know, all caught up on 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 all of these. Uh, External or worldly concepts of love and all. No, no, no. That ain't what that means. That's not what that means. It means work on those characteristics that should be present and accounted for in your heart. That's what it's talking about. That's what's beautiful to God. Amen. That have those, in other words, it's holiness. Amen. What else? What else can we learn? What else is God? What the other thing that you need to understand. Turn to First Corinthians and I want you to look at um, verses, uh, chapter four, and I want you to look at verse number seven. The first, the second thing that we need to know, besides knowing that God is concerned about the heart, we have to learn to be content. And in order to learn to be content, that means we need an understanding of something. And that is this concept, that whatever it is that you actually have, God gave that to you what you have in all areas is a gift okay we're talking about physical what you are physically but blessed what you're given that comes from God now look at first Corinthians amen chapter 4 verse 7 for who maketh thee to differ from another and what hast thou that thou do that thou didst not receive now, If thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory? As if thou hadst not received it. Now, the context of this scripture deals primarily from the spiritual aspect, and it deals primarily with spiritual gifts, and you'll see that. When you look, when you look at that, but the truth of this and the application of this actually extends beyond just that of spiritual gifting, what the writer here, the apostle Paul is dealing with, or was addressing from the spiritual aspect and the, and the gift aspect was that in the realm of the spiritual gifts, amen. In the realm of the spiritual giftings. Okay. You didn't give yourself a gift is what he's talking about. You didn't make yourself a recipient of a gift. No, God did that. God gave it to you. You know, so this is what he means. when He said, what makes you to differ one from another? It's like, what, 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 what makes you so different? What makes you so special? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Meaning that what is it that you have that you just gave yourself, that you just did on your own? You are a recipient, you're gifting. The gifts that you have, the spiritual gifts that come from God. And he says, and if you didn't give it to yourself, why are you going around acting all high and mighty and acting like you're something that you're really not? And that same concept, brothers and sisters, is applicable in the realm of physical gifting or physical beauty or whatever it is that you have as a person. Listen, God created you. Psalms 139 tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. and before you even existed guess what god knew you god put you together i'm trying to tell you that you were a custom job you're not a clone you're not a dime a dozen uh uh-uh. uh you are a general gen, you are a genuine article one of a kind handcrafted by god almighty you got no need to be jealous of what other people have it comes from god look at james 1 and 17 every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and coming down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness near the shadow of turning what you have comes from god if you is there an aspect of beauty that God is concerned with? Yes, number one, you got to understand. God looks at the heart. That's what he's concerned with. Number two, you got to learn really when we say what you have in all areas is a gift. What we're getting at is that you got to be thankful. Stop disrespecting God by coveting what other people have. You are a custom job. Not meant to be compared to anybody else. But meant to stand before God Almighty all by yourself. And you can do that with the aid of the Holy Ghost. Amen. What else? What else? What else? Beauty, you got to understand. So the outside and all the kinds that come from God. But don't get too caught up in it. Why? Why? because beauty is only skin deep guess what that is not just a phrase that is true it's not just a phrase brothers and sisters that is not just a phrase look at proverbs 11 22 as a jewel of gold in a swine's snout so is a fair woman which is without discretion do you hear god tell me you hear god as a jewel of gold in a swine's snout is, so is a fair woman, which is without discretion. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, that literally means it doesn't matter how good you look on the outside. If your heart is terrible, if your way is terrible, and remember, what did the Lord tell us? It's not what goes in. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him. No, it's what comes out of him. It's what comes out of that heart that defiles him. Amen, amen. And that Proverbs eleven twenty two goes right along with that. It doesn't matter how good you look on the outside. When you're walking without discretion, that means you're not walking in no wisdom. That's what that means. It means you're reckless. It means you have you're 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 not paying attention. It means you don't care about what God cares about. It don't matter how good you look, it all looks terrible to God. You need that the, I'm telling you. This is what if you won't God, if you, you this are we talking about that beauty that God is concerned with, that part that God's gonna notice. Amen. God is not gonna pay attention to you looking the part but you're not living the part. I'm gonna say that again. God's not gonna look kindly on you claiming the part, you looking the part, all the while you're not living the part, amen. Proverbs 31 and 30, look at this. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised, amen. 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 Do you hear? Do you hear God talking? Do you hear God talking? Favor is deceitful and beauty is fa- vain. That type of favor that we're talking about, that, that refers to and deals with that deals that deals with the things that the world has to, when the world compliments you, when the world says, pat you on the back, when the world um, um. says you did a good job the world is all in your corner the world's on your team the world's seeing your prayer. he's saying that's deceitful and beauty is vain look just because you can put an outfit together that don't mean you something that don't make you somebody that don't make you somebody Just because you can put on a show. Just because we can put on and fake an image. That don't make us real. Uh Uh-uh. That just makes us counterfeit. And God wants the real deal. Amen. What else? What else? This is good. External beauty. Before you start getting caught up on it. Knowing now that it's it's only skin deep. Don't get big-headed when the world starts complimenting you. And don't put too much stake in beauty because it's vain means it's empty. Then you also need to know something else. 1 Peter 1.24. All for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass withered and the flower thereof falleth away. Beauty, The external. Do yourself a favor. Don't get caught up on that. And God is not caught up on that because external beauty was never built to last. Amen. Amen. So before you start making a doctrine on it, before you start making, staking your claim on it, before we start living living by that, before we start making that the, the absolute center of things, remember this. That aspect is not strong enough to support a life or a way of living, why? Because it is temporary, it's not built to last. You need to understand that. So what is God concerned with? God is concerned with somebody that understands the place of beauty so that they don't mistakenly put beauty the beauty of this world or the beauty according to the concept of a man, a mere mortal. He or she doesn't supplant that and use it to replace beauty that matters. Don't substitute eternal beauty for temporal beauty. Don't do that. And that's what he's talking about here. That's what he's talking about. These are the aspects of beauty that God is concerned with. And one of those aspects is one that does not have a focus, too much of a focus on the external or the, or the temporal. Because it won't sustain you. It won't sustain you. It cannot sustain you. There's no value in being full of yourself. We told you that's pride, which leads into love. You don't need, uh, it's not it, it won't work. Inner beauty, what else? What else? Inner beauty that projects, displays, Holiness is what matters to God. See the collection of all these things that I talked to you about, one, two, three, and four that you see on your screen, those, those, those things, what they actually and essentially tie out to or equate to is the is that the beauty that matters to God is really. The inner beauty of holiness. Amen. Look at Proverbs 31, 29, and 30. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou <laughs> excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Look at First Timothy. Let's look at chap, let's look at chapter two. And let's look at verses nine through 10. In like manner also, the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works now remember don't you understand all of these things when we get in here to these new testament scriptures yes we are talking about there is the application of this that deals with the woman of god amen but also remember the church is often used or an analogy for the church or a symbol for the church at large is also you, is also that of a woman. So when we see these things in scripture, that yes, they are talking specifically to the women of God, there are elements of it that are always applicable to the church in general. And what is being revealed here is something not just what's relevant to our sisters. In the Lord, but something that is also relevant. Their concept there's a theme going on here that is also applicable to the church body in general. In like manner, also the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearl or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works yes those are the external things and the physical things. but you are all but the writer is also showing and revealing something god is after godliness and godliness is another word or another phrase or another way of explaining or describing holiness the purpose of this What is God after with all of this? Brothers and sisters, he is after holiness. Holiness. Holiness is what he's after. And then you have 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if you obey not the word, that if he any obey not the word, that they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wine. So the way you look, the way you carry yourself, all these different things is what he's getting at. And he's saying that when you're dealing with, in this case, he's dealing with someone who's married to someone who is not a believer. Amen. How do I get a hold of him? How do I get his attention? And God says, I actually have a way, a method for that. And it's when you live according. How do we know that? Look at verse number three. While they behold your chaste conversation. That conversation simply means your conduct. Amen. Amen. That's what that means. Conduct. Look at verse number one. Likewise, you wise being subjection to your own husband that if any, obey not the word. Talking about your husbands who don't obey the word. They may, they also may without the word be won by the conversation that's your conduct that's the way you walk that's the way you care that's the way you carry yourself that's talking about the heart god said the way i have designed the 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 the, the, the when when folks are unequally yoked, which he don't want you to get in that situation in the first place but when it and ha- when it occurs God is saying, the way I want to circumvent that and the way I want to get that back going in, 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 in gear, the way you're supposed to get a hold of the other person is by the way you walk, your conduct. So what are you talking about? Verse number two, while they behold your chase conversation, coupled with fear, who's adorning, verse three, let it not be that outward adorning of plating of hair and of wearing gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old old time, the holy women, notice what he said, holy women, also who trusted in God, adorned themselves this is the way they carry themselves the way they dress being in subjection unto their own husbands even as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord whose daughters ye are as long as you do well and are not afraid amen with any amazement notice what he's saying he's telling he's telling you in yes these are ap- scriptures that are absolutely applicable and speak directly to our, to our sisters. But there are also elements of it that apply to the church in general. And God is telling you, if you read this, what kind of stuff is important to them? Holiness, holiness, holiness. What type of, what manner of human beauty matters to God? the type that is indicative of holiness. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording here.